Welcome to the Boots on the Ground podcast, presented by The Mission Continues. Hello, my name is David Alvarado. I am an Army veteran and member of the communications team with The Mission Continues. Our hosts, Matthew and Feliza, will be going back to their regular positions with the organization. Matthew is our Vice President of Regional Operations, and his team just successfully wrapped up Operation District Throwdown, our annual mass deployment event. Feliza's role as Alumni Director has also flourished under her leadership, with more of our veterans choosing to stay engaged with us. All that to say is that I will be your new host. My vision of the podcast is to tell the incredible stories of our country's veterans and shine a light on the transformational change that they are leading. With that, I want to introduce our first guest. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Marine Combat Veteran Charlie Schletz. Charlie currently holds the position of Regional Operations Manager for The Mission Continues and has skillfully leveraged his leadership skills, veteran advocacy, and peer support experienced to bring about a positive change for veterans within his community. With that, that's Charlie Mike. So tell me about where you grew up and what inspired you to join the Marines. I grew up in Northern Illinois in a town called Waukegan. My dad was a police detective there. My mother's a nurse. You know, we, we have a long history of service in our family. My, my father is a Marine veteran. So we started in Waukegan. I eventually moved to a smaller town even called Antioch. For me, I was not someone who felt extremely pressured to go to college. It was like, what, what am I going to do that's right for me? So I graduated high school and I decided to try college a little bit. I went to, I went to community college for about a, a semester. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't hack it. I don't know what my brain needed something else. And so I decided at that point to join the Marines. Why the Marines? Was it because your dad was a Marine? You know, I think as early as I can remember, you know, my dad is a very private person. You know, he doesn't talk a lot about, you know, his past or his history or anything like that. And, you know, he was a Marine. He was a big inspiration for me. So it was a really big thing for me. I think ever since I was a boy, I was like, I'm going to be a Marine. It was, it was just kind of what I had always wanted to do. You know, it ended up being ultimately the, the right path for me to get out of the small town, to find a way to get to college, to set myself apart in a way that I wanted to, to do. But you also joined the infantry. Why that crazy decision? And mind you, I think this was in the time when we were at the height of the war in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah, I, I was talking to a recruiter in like 2009. You know, by the time I deployed, yeah, I was still going, but I had a couple different recruiters talking to me and wanting me to take tests and everything like that. Uh, so there was a lot of different things. You know, they wanted me to go into like nuclear submarines. And I signed a five-year contract for a $4,000 bonus to go 03 open infantry. And yeah, it was a question, a heavily questioned decision at the time. But I felt like if I'm going to do it, I might as well go, you know, go full bore. I'm joining the infantry. I'm joining the Marines. You know, like it was really the only thing I considered. You know, infantry was it for me at the end of the day. It was a it was a moral thing. It was a, you know, it was like a calling kind of thing, I guess you could say. But I'd have to say some of the most intelligent, wonderful people I met during my time uh, was in the infantry. And I think that's specifically related to people 
who are intelligent but have a moral calling as well. So interesting. So how would you describe your five years in the Marines? You know, I, it was up and down for me. I'd say right after boot camp, SOI, School of Infantry was, you know, I was doing great. About halfway through School of Infantry, you know, they they do this presentation and they're like, you know, do you want to be a mortarman? Do you want to be, you know, an 0351, you know? Then they came out and they were like, we've got the biggest guns, you know, this is the heaviest stuff. And I was like, I'm doing the, mer- I'm doing the machine gunner route. So I really enjoyed boot camp was not, you know, I didn't have too tough of a time with it in school of infantry. I really liked when I got to the fleet, that's when I kind of had a, a, an awakening, you know, and that's when kind of your up and down first starts for me, that's when the down started. When I got to the fleet, I, I came to a unit that um, won one and they hadn't really been doing a lot of combat deployments. And so a lot of the guys there didn't have experience, you know, combat experience, deployment experience. Eventually, you know, we get a deployment, we get a Mew. I had a great, you know, experience. You know, we visited so many places. We got to do Lib- Liberty Call and we got to do Liberty in like, you know, Thailand, Hong Kong. Dubai. There's all kinds of places. You know, Jordan was a really cool place that we went to in Oman. You're going like weeks at a time without sunlight at the bottom of a hold of a ship. And then you get to go out in Dubai um, or one of these places. So it's a really interesting experience. And it was very much so like I felt connected to, you know, the Marines. You know, that's kind of what Amu is all about. It's about being ready to react and being, you know, in place to be there if they need you. So that was a really cool experience. You know, it was hard. So you're not home a lot. You know, got back from that deployment. I didn't have a lot of time home between deployments. Then, you know, the rest goes on from there. You know, we did our Afghanistan deployment. I came back. One thing that happened to me, my first sergeant came to visit our OP and told me, you know, your wife has filed for divorce while you're in Afghanistan, you know, what would you like to do? Would you like to stay here? Would you like to head home and take care of your stuff? And I said, you know what, it's too far gone. I'm just going to stay here. That was kind of a tough moment for me to come back from Afghanistan, but also be going through a divorce. A lot of things piled up on top of each other. And I, you know, after that, it was kind of the beginning of the end for my military, my active military career. You know, I had some injuries that I'd sustained and things like that. You know, it was about time for me to get out. And so I separated and decided to, you know, join the workforce or, you know, go to college, do one of those two things. So what was your plan? How was your transition out? I had a tough transition out mainly because I was medically retired. But that process is difficult because you don't know how long it's going to take. You know, when when I first started going through the process and going to all these doctor's appointments and such, you know, they were saying it's going to be like a year. These things take a long time. They got to go through the mail, get checked out and come back to you. I said, okay, well, I'm thinking next year then is when I'm going to get out. And then I don't know what happened, but there was some kind of speed up in the process or they'd changed the process. So they said, you're actually, your, your, get, your EAS date is now going to be in November of this year, which was like, so I didn't have much time to kind of 
save money, do all that kind of stuff. And mind you, I'm in the process of coming back from Afghanistan, you know, and I've got mental health situations going on. I've got my divorce going on. So I didn't have too much of an ability to plan at the time or a mind to. But, you know, I, I really didn't think too hard about it. You know, I was like, my parents, luckily, said you can move in with us back into the basement, you know, into my old room. You know, I had been medboarded, so I had a little bit of disability money. So I was okay for a while, but I was a little bit too comfortable. You know, I ended up kind of just going around from job to job. I worked in warehouses. Um, I was applying for all kinds of jobs. I was applying for like, manager of blockbuster having been a 21 year old corporal you know trained as a squad leader and then like you're not even trusted to manage a blockbuster and a lot of places did consider the military as work experience so i ended up working in a hospital doing security in an emergency room and i think that's what kind of opened me up into you know conflict resolution and Peer support was where I, you know, what I was inspired to do after that. So I had a friend from high school. She was a Mission Continues fellow, but she's the one who originally reached out to me and said, you know, I think you'd be great at this. And so I started working for a small nonprofit in Grays Lake, Illinois. It was a drop-in center, uh, Lake County Veterans and Family Services. They hired me to work there. That was the dream job for me at the time. It was amazing to be able to help veterans in a very relaxed, chill atmosphere. And we were kind of experts in guiding them to the services that already existed that they could get. Was that moment transformational for you when you switched your brain over to like serving veterans? I just remember that using my veteran status as a piece to kind of relate to people. To tell them, you know, I've been through stuff too. And just opening up to people and sharing that with them. You know, I stopped looking at every problem like a nail because I was the hammer. It taught me, you know, to look towards empathy and to look towards understanding and and seeking peace. Because after the, the military, that was such a violent experience. I learned like, it's not all about just being the, the biggest dog in the room. It's about, you know, understanding and and making people people feel accepted and part of the team and so that was a huge point for me it was i got to do something else then i started volunteering for a while and then yeah i got i got the hookup through my mission continues homie you know a lot of faith was put in me and i think that's a recurring theme for veterans as well as it's like once you get into the civilian sector you just need someone to put some faith in you and some trust in you I started working there, never having a job where I was treated with extreme, like, you know, with trust and respect. And, you know, my boss at the time was like, I trust you to talk to, you know, Senator Duckworth's office. You know, you can represent us at this meeting. And I was like, what? So, but it meant a lot. You know, I had another veteran give me a leg up and then I had another veteran put their faith in me to kind of take care of, you know, the mission and very grateful for it. And it really opened a lot of doors for me. And and I think we find a lot of times that it's a fellow veteran who's willing to do that for us. You do that now in your work as a regional operations manager with the Mission Continues. 
just kind of describe your, your, what you do. I found that the number one skill for this kind of job is empathy. As far as, you know, regional operations manager Midwest goes, my main duty is to just support the platoon leaders in whatever way that they need. So it's really about, you know, understanding their strengths and weaknesses and trying to, to fill in. It's really a lot about understanding where people are at, understanding that they're all volunteers and we all have like a service mindset. We all have a life too, and we all have, you know, different things going on. Our platoon leaders are amazing. They have jobs, they have hobbies, they have families, and yet they find that they have this innate desire to serve and to be a part of something bigger than themselves. For me, it's not always about teaching and it's not always about managing, but a lot of times it's about making sure that their joy is still there, making sure that as they serve and as they do something for their community, that their, you know, their cup is filled and a lot of their cups are filled by their service and that kind of thing. But if I can make that more joy filled, more fun, if I can, you know, meet them and, and form connections with them and and friendships over the years, then, you know, that's just a bonus. And that's, that's what I love to do. In your time working as, you know, in peer support and as a veteran advocate, what are some of the issues that you've seen that are most important to veterans today from just from your perspective, from your work? You know, it's tough because it's hard enough for one veteran to transition, you know, from the military and and to the civilian sector. And, you know, I don't want to speak too soon, but it seems like we're coming into peacetime the news might not always seem like that. We're at a point where we're kind of transitioning as a service. For me, there's all kinds of issues that, you know, that sprout from that. A lot of veterans, you know, might feel disconnected from the service because it's not the same one that they recognize from when they were in. I think it's important to understand, you know, veterans versus active military and and not feel like, I'm superior or they're superior. That's something that's really big is that, you know, everybody wants to compare service. And I don't think that that's something that's going to get us very far. It keeps us at each other's throats. And instead of uniting and working together, I think that we need to do that more. We need to unite. We need to come together as veterans. But there are positive things happening all the time. And there's a community out there waiting to embrace you and support you. You know, the mission continues is a great example of that. It's a way to connect with other veterans while doing something. I think that veterans have such an innate ability to express themselves and tell stories. And that's something that I really want to, you know, not so much an issue is something that I want to encourage. So whether that's writing stories or telling them or writing music or art, all that kind of thing. I think it's something that the veterans really have an opportunity to express themselves in different ways, because as we transition from wartime to peacetime, we as a veteran population have been extremely lucky to be so well respected, loved and thanked by our country. Well, by culture in general, I think in culture now, 
you see a general respect and love and appreciation for the military and for veterans. Veterans should maybe prepare themselves for a world in which, you know, we're not always on the 50 yard line and we're always not right at the front on the jumbotron. We're not, you know, having, you know, military appreciation month, you know, so I don't think that that stuff's going to go away and, and organizations like Mission Continues will always be here. But, you know, in the public perception and just in pop culture and that kind of thing, it can be tough. And I think, you know, we need to learn to take care of ourselves and we need to learn to have confidence in ourselves and what we bring to the table for the country. But we also need to embrace everyone else and become, you know, neighbors with everyone. But, you know, people are there and people care. And there's a strong community for you to find and to embrace you. So what is like a leadership lesson that you can offer to the listener? I'd say for my time in the military and onwards, I consider myself, I guess, neurodivergent. While my my athletic scores and my weapons scores and everything was on track, my platoon leaders or my my in boot camp, even my drill instructors, they thought like this guy's a goof, you know. So I ended up becoming someone who was not officially squad leader, but I was someone that everybody else came to for advice. That's one of the the lessons that I took was look for those people that other people gravitate towards. They might not be the in the the leadership position and they might not be, you know, fully lauded and understood or respected, but people go to them for a reason. So go to those people and learn what you can from them. I have several platoon leaders who, you know, in smaller cities who, when I took over in a, in a vacant position, I, you know, I didn't take over for anyone. There was no leadership before they were already like ready to kind of leave the organization and move on. But just putting that faith in them and putting that, that trust in them re-energized and reinvigorated some of them. And that, is something that is a lesson that I took. So just because they, they don't fit the profile that you would think of as a high speed, low drag leader, they're not all, you know, they might not have certain things squared away. There are people that have amazing strengths that are just looking for a shot and looking for someone to trust them. So I think that that's, that's my main, my main thing is, is look for those outsiders and, and that kind of thing and, and bring them into the fold. Awesome. Well, Charlie Schletz, former Marine, once a Marine, always a Marine. Always a Marine, baby. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you. Have a great day, man. You too. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are The Mission Continues. We invest in veterans and under-resourced communities, developing new skill sets and equipping a growing veteran volunteer movement with the tools to drive positive change. To find more resources and to get involved, visit us at missioncontinues.org. See you on the next episode of the Boots on the Ground podcast presented by The Mission Continues. Charlie Mike, continue the mission.